Hello, everyone. It's Joanna, and welcome to Sam Magazine. everyone doing today? How's everyone doing? It's Sunday. I'm super mellow (laughs) again, and I've had coffee, but I've been drinking more water. Uh, For my own health, I have my daughter who's an emergency room nurse. I have a good friend of mine who's a retired emergency room nurse. I have my husband. All of them are telling me, Joe, you got to drink more water. So, I hope everyone's doing well. I've just come back from Vancouver. I got off this rock I live on. That's because I'm going to be a grandma. Yeah, my oldest daughter. She's expecting, expecting very soon. So I was over uh, in Vancouver and we had a very, very nice uh, baby shower for her. All right. So I've got a lot of thanks to give out today. And uh, first, Let's get rid of the uh, house cleaning, and that is not any part of this podcast can be used for AI training or anything to do with AI without the permission from me, Joanna Vanderflook, or today's featured author, Heather L. Barksdale. Also, if you hear a little uh, jingling going on, That's because I have Ozzy in the studio with me. He's my oldest dog. He's actually a senior. He is 12 years old and he's not feeling really well. So everyone, if you all give me some positive thoughts, send uh, send Ozzy, send Ozzy some love. That would really make me feel good because the little, the little guy, he's a miniature schnauzer. He's 12 years old. And he hasn't been feeling well. So tomorrow, I'm contacting the vet. And uh, we're going to see about uh, maybe him getting a senior's blood test to see, you know, what's going on with him. Yeah. Now, before I start reading Heather's opening chapter, I want to give thanks to, let's start in the United States, California. North Carolina, Virginia, Connecticut, Ohio, Tennessee. Thank you for tuning in. And I'm not done with the United States. District of Columbia, thank you for tuning in. Florida, thank you for tuning in. Minnesota, Utah, and Washington, thank you for tuning in. In my own country, thank you, Nova Scotia. Yeah, you showed up on my map. So thank you, British Columbia, Nova Scotia, Alberta, and Ontario. 
Thank you for tuning in. And of course, thank you, Mexico. And I see I have, I had four listeners coming in, tuning in from Russia. Thank you for tuning in. Okay, let's get on with today's story. I'm going to read the bio of today's featured author, and that is Heather L. Barksdale. Now, Heather L. Barksdale was born in Waterville, Maine. Her adventure into travel started young when her parents packed up the two-year-old and drove across the country to Seattle, Washington. They then flew to Fairbanks, Alaska to live until she was eight years old. She would move several more times throughout the years, living in places as different as Laramore, North Dakota, and I'm going to try to pronounce this as best I can, Kavlavik, Iceland. As a military brat, her experience with travel grew throughout the years, and her passion for reading thrived. With all the travel came many different schools and both the challenge and opportunity to make new friends. Constant, though, was the presence of a good book. Her mom, an elementary school teacher, always encouraged her to read and eventually write. It was her mom that often introduced her to the books and genres that she would grow to love. After realizing that one of the friends that she had made along the way was actually the love of her life, she and her husband married. They settled in Jacksonville, Florida, where they continue to make a home today. Heather finds time to travel whenever possible. She has now traveled throughout the United States, Europe, and Asia, seeking new adventures. She is an avid fan of historical fiction and calls upon her adventures as inspiration for her stories. One such adventure in Barbados provided the motivation she needed, as well as some of the inspiration to write her first book, Arriving Through Time. Heather is currently working on a sequel to her time travel adventure, while also delving into her darker side with a new storyline filled with compelling characters and killers. All right, so here we go. Chapter 1, The Beginning. Today will be the worst day of my life. But before we get to today, I feel like I should tell you a little about myself. So here it goes. My name is Elizabeth Rose Alexander, but everyone calls me Lizzie. I am 16 years old and a junior at Atlantic Coast High School in Jacksonville, Florida. I live a pretty normal life. Of course, by normal, I mean super complicated and basically a giant mess. My parents divorced when I was 10. It was not one of those amicable divorces that you see in the movies. You know, the ones where everyone still gets together at Christmas and argues over who gets the drumstick of the turkey? This was not that. It wasn't even a nice and quiet, passive-aggressive battle between two adults acting like children. No, this divorce was ugly. Most of the time, it involved screaming matches 
and me trying to block out the noise by cranking up my headphones as high as they could possibly go. It was really hard for me, but I learned to adapt and relied on some really great friends to get me through all of it. Every morning, I do the same routine. I wake up, shower, throw on some clothes, fix my hair, dab something on my face, grab a granola bar, and run out the door in enough time to catch the bus. But not today. Today, my best friend Sam was going to pick me up and drive us to school. Sam just got her driver's license last week, and her parents had surprised her with a second-generation white station wagon that was covered in bumper stickers from trips that her parents had made all over the United States. The seats were torn, the air conditioner didn't work, and sometimes the engine would overheat, but it was hers. Some kids would be embarrassed by driving around in that beast of a car, but not Sam and not me either. We were excited to rely on no one but Sam to get us around. No more begging parents for a ride or trying to get her big brother to drop us off at the movies. It was going to be amazing. So this morning, I started the day with the same old routine. Well, except for one thing. Instead of running out the door and into the overcrowded and ridiculously hot cheese wagon, today I ran out the door and up to the passenger side of my best friend's new, and definitely old, ride. But as I reached to grab the door handle, I noticed that someone else was already sitting in that seat. It was a familiar face, and he was smiling just as much as me and Sam. Jeremy rolled down the window and pointed to the back seat. I called shotgun, get in the back, woman. Because I am in such a good mood this morning, I am not even going to comment about that woman nonsense, I said. I am so happy not to be jammed in that giant sweaty bus again. I hopped in the back of the station wagon and away we went. I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself again. Let me back up a little bit. The guy that stole my thunder and my seat? He's my other best friend. Yep, I have two best friends, Sam and Jeremy. Jeremy likes to brag that he and I were friends way before Sam even entered the picture. Sam then likes to remind Jeremy that if her mom hadn't been late, like always, and another bonus of having a car all to her own, she would have arrived on her first day of seventh grade at the same time as the both of us. Instead, Sam entered Mrs. Corey's homeroom about 10 minutes later than the rest of the class and ended up with the only seat left, right next to the two best people on the planet. I like to think that it was meant to be. Our first day of seventh grade was pretty typical. I saw some familiar faces and some new ones as well. We were randomly assigned home rooms that year, and I ended up with a group of kids that I mostly hadn't met before. I had shared some classes with a couple of them the year before, but no one that I would eat lunch with or call after school to see if they wanted to hang out. 
I was pretty bummed. I was even more bummed when the empty desk to my right was claimed by a tall, dorky-looking guy with glasses and the ugliest flowered shirt I had ever seen. Two years later, I would ask Jeremy about that shirt, and he would tell me that he had lost a bet with his brother. The bet had something to do with who could stuff more cheese balls in their mouth without choking or throwing up. Long story short, he was out 10 bucks and had to wear his dad's favorite Hawaiian shirt to his first day of seventh grade. So, as Mrs. Corey began giving us the same old typical first day of school speech about how it was going to be the best year ever, Sam busted through the classroom door. Of course, I didn't know it was Sam back then. I had never seen her before. I would later learn that Sam and her family had just moved to Jacksonville after her mom, who was in the U.S. Navy, got a promotion and shipped the whole family from Virginia to Florida. Everyone turned to look at the new girl that had made such an entrance. Sam's face turned just as red as her hair. She muttered some kind of excuse under her breath and hurried down the aisle to grab the only open desk, the desk right behind me. Don't worry about it, Jeremy whispered to the new girl. You didn't miss anything. You are new, right? I'm Jeremy. He gave her a little wave. And I'm Elizabeth, I said, peering over my shoulder. Hi, the new girl said. I'm Samantha, but everyone calls me Sam. It turned out that Jeremy, Sam, and I had the next three classes together. Even better than that, we had been assigned the same period for lunch. The three of us became fast friends and were inseparable ever since that first day meeting in Mrs. Corey's class. Jeremy and Sam were the two best friends anyone could ask for. We had the most amazing times together. Of course, they also got me through some seriously tough times too. Chapter 2. The Family what tough times do you ask? Let's start with some of the lighter stuff so I don't totally scare you off. Remember that messy divorce I mentioned? Yeah, so that was not the end of that backstory. When I was 14, my parents sat me down to have a talk. And after all the screaming, crying, and fighting for the last couple of years, my life would change again. I had become so used to my parents fighting that the sight of them both smiling at the same table was unnerving and seemed unnatural. My mum seemed especially happy. Her skin was almost glowing. After what seemed like an eternity, my mum started the talk by informing me, we have some great news. Your father and I are getting back together. For a moment, I was beyond excited. All of us back together again? No wonder my parents looked so happy. No more fighting, no more avoiding talking about half of my life at all times, and no more having to remember whose week it was so that I would know which bed I was going to sleep in that night. This was amazing. 
But as I started to tell my parents how happy I was for them and for me, another emotion started to work its way through my body. That emotion was somewhere between anger and rage. Suddenly, I was so angry that I could barely see. So many thoughts rushed through my head all at once. I wanted to yell at my parents. I wanted to shout, what? I just went through all of that, all that fighting and misery for what? All that drama the last four years was just for you two to end up getting back together again anyways? What is wrong with you? But I didn't have the chance to say any of that because my mom had not stopped talking yet. We have more great news. She smiled from ear to ear. We're going to have another baby. I would like to say that I reacted well to this news, that I gave my parents hugs and kisses and congratulated them on their reunion and their new bundle of joy. Let's just say that I did not do any of those things. It was not one of my finer moments. And we really don't need to go over the details here. Let's just say that eventually I came around and even helped my mom pick out colors for the new nursery. Seven months after this life-changing announcement, I had a new baby brother, Christopher, who I love with all my heart. So here we were, arriving at Atlantic Coast High School. We pulled into a parking spot, grabbed our book bags, and headed into the first period. I am not what they would call a morning person, and usually I am not looking forward to AP American History at 7 a.m. This time was different, though. We had received an assignment that I had actually found to be super interesting and that I was eager to share. Mr. Simon had assigned us all to review our own family trees. He had explained to us that he believed that in order to understand U.S. history better, it was vital that we understand how we and our families fit into this history. Some people had just jotted down what their parents or grandparents told them. Some people relied on Google searches and family photos. I decided to go the more in-depth route of convincing my mom to pay the subscription fee to a genealogy website. I have to admit that when I spit into that tube and sent it through the mail, I was not convinced that anything of interest would come of it. But when I got my results back, I was pleasantly surprised. The website reported things that were revealed by my DNA, including that I was more likely to have high cholesterol and that I was not prone to sneezing at the smell of chocolate. No joke. I'm still not sure why that would be something to track or why that would be something anyone would want to know either. It also gave me an option to connect to any DNA relatives that I had in common to those who had also registered for the service. This portion of the website connected me to my Aunt Lucy, my mother's sister, as well as a second cousin on my dad's side. From their trees, I was able to follow my family line back four generations. You may be wondering why I was so interested in this whole family tree assignment. Well, while I was legitimately intrigued, 
by the idea that Mr. Simon had proposed about knowing ourselves better. This assignment in particular hit really close to home. Remember how I mentioned that I would start with the lighter stuff? Well, if you stuck with me until now, how about something darker? Let's back up one more time. Chapter 3. The Something Darker Last year had been both the best and worst year of my life. Prior to my baby brother being born, my parents decided to have one last hurrah and planned a surprise trip to London for the three of us. We survived the eight-hour flight and arrived at Heathrow Airport, where we caught the first tube to central London. We stayed in a hotel across from Big Ben and the Parliament buildings. We took a million pictures from the top of the London Eye and visited the British Museum. We ate fish and chips and every kind of meat baked into a pie that you can imagine. We even discovered the best dessert ever. Sticky toffee pudding. Yum. We also found a listing for my dad's surname in one of the churches. My dad's family apparently originated in this area a long time ago. Then we went to Wembley Stadium to see our Jaguars play a football game. So yeah, we went to London to see the Jags play Duval. It was amazing, and we loved every minute of it. Four months after our amazing trip, my baby brother, Christopher, was born. My parents were the happiest I'd ever seen them. They were tired, of course, but I think that baby Christopher brought them closer together. We were a happy little family again. I think we were happier than before the divorce. So, of course, you know something bad had to happen to right the universe. When baby Christopher was around two months old, I woke up on a Saturday around 10 a.m. It was a pretty normal Saturday. I went downstairs to find my parents with my baby brother. My parents were enjoying breakfast and Christopher was asleep in his little bouncer in the living room. Hungry Lex? My dad asked me. He was the only one that ever called me Lex, short for our last name. He started calling me Lex when I was little. My name was so long that I had a really hard time spelling it. My mom quizzed me on it. She tried to make up rhymes, compared it to other words that I already knew, and tried several other methods of getting me to learn it. I continued to struggle. My mom thought the challenge would be good for me. She had me practice over and over again until I got it right. It was frustrating and annoying. It was the first time, though not the last, that I found I was disappointed in myself. My mom just thought she was pushing me to grow and be better. As I've grown older, I've realized that is how she pushes herself, too. That's probably part of the reason why she is so successful. But my dad was never like that. He never pushed me and just let me grow at my own pace. He always seemed to know when I had pushed myself past my limit. With the name thing, he simply gave me another option. He gave me a smaller name to start with Lex. Eventually, of course, I learned to spell my full name. But the nickname stuck and he called me that ever since.
I am starving, I declared, and then proceeded to search through the fridge. There were some condiments, a couple bottles of water, a half-eaten bag of pre-mixed salad, and not much else. Do we have any bread? I asked, closing the fridge. I can just make some toast. Your mom and I just finished off the ends, my dad laughed. I'm sorry, Lex. I meant to swing by the grocery store on my way home from work yesterday. I'm still trying to get used to this whole having a baby at home thing again. Maybe by the time Christopher is your age, I'll get back into the swing of things. My dad laughed at himself and his lame attempt at a joke. Why don't I run to Chick-fil-A and grab us all some of those little chicken breakfast sandwiches? I could go for something better than the butt of the bread. Another little snicker from my dad as he laughed at his own joke again. That would be great, honey. Thanks, my mom replied. She gave my dad a kiss on the cheek and swept Christopher up to go change, or feed, or clean him. I can go with you, I offered. I just have to throw on some clothes first. Oh, it's no problem. Stay here in case your mom needs help with Christopher. My dad grabbed his wallet and his keys and then headed out the front door. See you in a minute, Lex. I grabbed my phone, flopped on the couch, and started searching social media for what had occurred in the world over the last eight hours while I slept. Twenty minutes went by, and my dad had not yet returned. My mom had come back to the living room with a smiling, fresh and clean Christopher. She placed him back in his bouncer where he settled in for another peaceful snooze. He must have got stuck in the drive through Mom said absent-mindedly, more talking to herself than to me. I returned to focusing on my phone and the 20th funny cat video of the morning. A couple of minutes later, my mom's phone started to vibrate on the counter. She picked it up and said, hello? She listened for a few seconds, then turned white as a sheet, and then crumpled into a pile on the floor. Mom! Mom! I screamed and ran to her. She was still breathing, moaning on the floor. I grabbed her phone to call 911, but the person she had been talking to was still on the line. I put the phone to my ear and gasped. Hello? I'm sorry, who is this? The voice at the other end of the line asked. This is Elizabeth. You were just speaking to my mom. What did you say to her? I accused. I'm sorry, can your mother come back to the phone, please? I wasn't finished speaking to her, the voice said. No, I need to go. I quickly hung up. As I hit the first of the two ones to dial for help, the phone started vibrating again in my hand. I swiped the answer button as fast as I could. I was hoping that it was my dad saying he was on his way. Instead, it was that same voice on the line again. I have sent an ambulance to your home. Is there anyone else that you can call to meet you? The voice asked. My dad just ran an errand and he should be home soon. Wait, who are you? Why did you call my mom to begin with? I asked. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, the voice said. But your father has been in an accident. Is there anyone else that you can call? 
And that, folks, is the first two chapters and a partial read of chapter three of Heather's first book, Arriving Through Time. I wonder what's going to be what's going to happen to her character, Lizzie. Hey, that's that's a lot to have to deal with. If you want to find out more about Heather L. Barksdale, I have her website here. It is Heather H E A T H E R L B Bob A R K S D A L E dot com. Heather L. Barksdale.com. She's a blogger. She's an author. She has her own store. Um, oh gosh, she's got some really cool things on her store. For instance, uh, wooden coasters, uh, which have some really cute sayings like, I read too many books, said no one ever. All right. She has mugs in her store and she has a blog. And uh, yeah, just, just check it out. All right. I hope everyone's doing well. Stay healthy. Send some love to my little Aussie, my little miniature schnauzer. And I will tune in with you next weekend. And one quick reminder, Spy Girls is available for pre-order on Amazon. All right, folks. Bye-bye.